Welcome to Respect Life Radio. My name is Deacon Jeff Bennett with Catholic Charities of the Archdiocese of Denver. And remember, you can listen to all of our shows at respectliferadio.com. Today, our guest is Dr. Paul Shalou. Paul worked for 30 years as an engineer and manager and strategist for IBM. After retiring, uh, Paul earned his PhD in moral theology, currently teaches theology as adjunct professor at the Catholic University of America. He's also the author of Why We Suffer and of his new book that we're going to talk about today, which is really tied closely to the last book called Dying Without Fear from Sophia Press Institute. And Paul, thanks for joining us today. Thank you. So you've written these books on, on suffering and death and then also on dying without fear. And they really are, I mean, they, they really go hand in hand and are very closely related. And, and a lot of times for individuals, one leads to the other, not always, but can. Why is it so important that people come to terms with this and, and really read your book so that they don't live, live a life in anger and fear, but really of uh, an appreciation for our Lord and, and the gifts that he gives them. Well, that's really it. The, the, it's to keep them from suffering and and uh, dying under pressure when they don't need to, when they need the way out. Um, so, I mean, in reading the books, and you've, I mean, you have a personal experience with, you know, going through this, and really I think a lot of people do, right? Anybody who says they haven't suffered is living in a fantasy land uh, or isn't paying attention. But how did, how did your own life kind of lead you to focus on this suffering and then this fear of dying? Well, to tell you the truth, it came from a doctor, a medical doctor. I was, uh, I quit my job and moved to, um, moved to, to Washington to become a, a PhD student. And I got diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. And uh, when I went to the neurologist to uh, to uh, get get some medication for the Parkinson's disease, she asked me, "Why do people suffer?" Well, I didn't have a clue. I never never even thought about it. But it got in my head, and uh, and I started working through my doctoral program with suffering in mind. And I transferred to this, to moral theology and uh, and uh, took up suffering as the my topic. And uh, here I am, five years later. Well, you know, reading your book, it, it, you know, it does really remind us of, you know, really things that go on in our own life and that type of thing. But, you know, the really the world really kind of showed its hand during COVID, didn't it? With this great fear of dying, this fear of getting sick. I mean, to the point where we were closing everything down, closing schools, people were wearing masks. I mean, they were afraid to go outside. And some people still are, unfortunately. But this great fear of death really seemed to rear its head in a way it hadn't in, in as long as I can remember. Yeah, probably since the Middle Ages when they had the Black Death. <laughs> yeah. And it was much worse so, then. But... Yeah, I was going to say, so why, why is that why we were so afraid? Because we really don't have a relationship with the Lord, so we don't see these things as, you know, you know, obstacles that come into our life and that to live a life of fear, um, unfortunately, a lot of people embrace that, didn't they? Yeah, well, if, if people are fearful, it's because they, they don't have a relationship with God, and, uh, and that, that makes all the difference, the attitude. 
So the you know if the attitude is that uh, there's nothing else on the other end and and uh, and uh, I just I'm just going to die and that's it. And of course they're going to be afraid because there's nothing else. But if if there's something else on the other end that's pulling them, then that can make a difference. Well, I guess if you have a faith and you haven't been living your life the way you should, that fear of death can be enormous because you've kind of lived the worldly life, even though you know you shouldn't, right? So there's that that fear of not having the chance to redeem oneself because of because of how they've lived and or an unwillingness to do so. Just always a chance to redeem yourself. Yeah, no, I'm going to say in their own in their own mind they think that way though. Yeah, that's right. And that's one of the reasons this book is put out was was to answer the kind of questions. Yeah. And I mean, you know, it really is all about redemptive suffering. And like we look, we have, you know, how many faith communities out there preach this prosperity gospel, right? That if I do everything well, everything's gonna be fine. And the only time bad things happen is if I do bad things. But you know, Christ dispels that, doesn't he? Because he died, suffered and died on the cross as somebody who was sinless. So for us to think we're going to go through life and never have a problem is really, uh, again, a foolish thought, and and it can lead us to that fear. Yeah, well, it's to be pitied when they don't think they've created any sins. But but at the same time, um, in the prodigal son, God forgave the, uh, the son of losing half his inheritance and half of his father's property. And Jesus told that for a reason, because he wants us to come back to God, which is the reason what, what the prodigal son did. And uh, if you follow that and you have faith in God that he does want you back, as long as you're willing to repent, then uh, then you don't have anything to fear. Yeah, and I think, you know, we, gotta, we, we always have to remember he is the loving father, right? We, he loves right. us. We are created out of that love. If he stopped loving us, we would cease to exist. So we have to remember that, you know, God is both mercy and justice. And so we need to understand that it's it's not all mercy. We can do whatever we want. It never matters. But we do have the just judge. What did you say? I said that's right, because he he has to to balance mercy and forgiveness, mercy and uh, justice, because because if he gives mercy without, without justice, then, then nobody will be motivated to do the right thing. Yeah, and unfortunately, we live in a world that kind of tells us, do whatever makes yourself feel good. It doesn't matter. Um, but we do know it matters. And when you start the, you know, really the first section of your book on dying without fear was really on the theology, right? And, and how yes. important is that to have that as your foundation so that you can understand the things you're going to encounter? Well, right. The, the the first section has two pieces. It has the the um, so the uh, theology of suffering and the theology of death. Mm-hmm. Different, and, and you need it. You need both because the, the theology of suffering gives you the basis that you need to to go into the suffer the, the theology of death. Because the theology of death involves involves the four last things, the last day, uh, and. Um, the uh, theology of suffering involves how you get through suffering day to day, and 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 how do you, what what what's the purpose of suffering, and why do you, su- and uh, how does suffering take you from sin to salvation? 
Well, and you and you pointed out in your book, uh, especially on the uh, in the why we suffer, right? That suffering really those those crosses that we get are really gifts, right? We we may view them as something to run from, but they are gifts to help draw us closer to Christ, aren't they? Yes, they are, and they're they're medicinal. Even though I mean, you know, a lot of times medicine doesn't taste good, but but uh, what we see as as bad is will be just medicinal. Because we, we focus ourselves on, on comfort and not on joy. Joy being the uh, the uh, reward for, for spiritual growth and and uh, comfort being just just uh, the view of the sensations the sensations of uh, of well the, the senses feeling touching hearing. Well, when we. Read and when we read in scripture, right, the first three fruits of the spirit are love, joy, and peace. Right, when we have those right. things in our life, and we know we're we're heading in the right direction and doing the right things. But conversely, if you're reading your book and and we're struggling with fear and we're running away from all the you know any kind of suffering that we might have, right, it shows us that we're not living in union with the spirit. It really becomes we're living in a material world and buying the lies that they're telling us. Right, we have the wrong goals. The goals that, that God has is to get us to heaven, and the goals that we have in that particular thing is materialistic and in a very short term. Well, and you can even look at, you know, the Virgin Mary, right? The Virgin Mary, you know, born without the stain of original sin, right, had to flee to Egypt. They were trying to kill her son as an infant, right? It lived a difficult, challenging life, right? They weren't wealthy, yeah. you know, had to watch her son die on the cross, you know, be spit upon and be and be treated poorly. So the Virgin Mary, born without sin, had to suffer watching in her own life. So we should embrace that as an opportunity for that redemptive suffering as a gift, as we mentioned before, but also to draw us closer to the Lord and and to help us come to terms with the challenges of life. I want to give you another concept. Uh, suffering is a uh, feeling you get when you are experiencing evil. That's from John Paul II, Silver Vichy Dolores. So what it, what it is, it's just a feeling. It's like hunger. Hunger means you're hung, you need food, but it, that's what that's what the, the deficit is, your, your lack of food, not the hunger. Hunger is just the suffering. But but you gotta distinguish the two pieces. One is the feeling you get, and one is the actual deficit you have. That's evil. Yeah, and one of the things, right, whenever we have challenges in life and we think, oh, my gosh, this is too much for me, or why me, or why not somebody else? You know, how many times have we gone through suffering, learned from it, and then been able to help someone else who's gone through something similar along those lines who feels like I'm the only one who's ever done this, to be able to turn, right, kind of lemons into lemonade, right, turn those tragedies into mm -hmm. victories and really help our fellow humans. Well, sometimes suffering is, is to, is to uh, keep you away from other bad the things that are bad for you. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, so for instance, if you were really focused on getting rich, you might be actually, you might actually be taking money, money might be taken away from you as, as and it'll cause you to suffer, but it'll also cause you to grow. Well, and we always grow, right, when we face challenges, right? The Lord is always going to put us in a position of being uncomfortable, 
because that's where growth is, right? If we always stayed in our right. comfort zone and thought, you know, the Lord is just happy with where I am right now, we're never going to grow and meet, reach our potential that he has for us and to be able to be the evangelist and go ahead and share the kingdom of God with people because we're just content and being comfortable in our own lives. Right. Absolutely. Um, in your, you know, and I'm kind of going between both books because I think you, you really need to know both and both of these books, I would highly encourage people to get, but in the, in the, why we suffer, you mentioned the gifts of suffering and, and four particular in, in the four tasks in that book. Can you talk about those four tasks? Yeah. The first task is to love you. It's to teach you to love yourself. It's, it's, it's the, uh, uh, Changing vices into virtues, it's, it's feedback loops, where where if you're if you're doing something that's bad for you, it's going to make you hurt, so you're going to stop doing it, and then it will teach you to self love. And it's just been with us forever. The the four the four uh, virtues are from antiquity, and you don't need any religion to get those four. The second one is to reconcile reconcile your, yourself to God, uh, so you're following. God's footsteps, and that comes from the first step, which is uh, which is teaching you virtue. And once you once you get to to the point uh, that you understand that that you do well when you do certain things, then then you start recognizing that that that's from God, and you recognize that's God in that. The third one is unleashing love on your neighbor, where you where you start paying attention and you're empathetic to your neighbor, and you take care of him like the like the um, Good Samaritan. And the fourth, and the fourth one is redemptive love, where you are physically willing to suffer, and you're going to give of yourself to help the other person. Well, that's that's, and that's something that's and that's something that's sorely missed in our world, right? Everything becomes self-focused, right? How many people live kind of a narcissistic existence, and it's it's all about me. I want me, myself, and I are my three favorite people. I want to make myself comfortable, but that that selfless love and that you know willing to sacrifice, forgive, and all those things as Christ modeled for us is really lacking in our world, which contributes to this this great fear and this you know trying to do whatever it takes to avoid suffering and death. Right. How important is it that people? come to terms with this. I know I've, I've worked with a lot of seniors and those that had faith kind of took things in stride when they came, you know, they had a great love for the Lord and those who didn't lived in a constant fear, right? They, you know, almost, uh, almost like a hypochondriac, right? They were so worried something was going to happen. And so you can see it play out in people's lives. And so Understanding this and really internalizing and growing in our relationship with our Lord is something that really puts our mind at ease and and allows us to live the life He calls us, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean that's the whole trick to this thing is that uh, not trick, but truth to this thing is that uh, if you trust in God, you're gonna you're not gonna you won't be you won't have to fear death. It's a matter of how much you trust in God. Do you trust that he he will he will wait for you with open arms? That as long as you as long as you repent and and it, it, there is a requirement that you repent because he knows better than we do that um, that uh, that uh, without repentance that uh, uh, forgiveness is not worth anything. 
Well, and how many times do we hear in Scripture when he heals when he heals somebody, go and sin no yeah, more, right? No. He tells them, right? right? It's, it's, it's a reminder to all of us that sin separates us from the Lord, right? And we're talking about this suffering and death because of the sin in the garden, right, that, that brought this into the world that we all struggle with. But it really is a reminder that, and you mentioned, right, turning, uh, vice, turning a, vir- a vice into a virtue, is we need right. to constantly be working on our lives, growing in our relationship, growing in our re- uh, our love for the Lord and serving Him, and repenting for our sinfulness, because that sin separates us from the Lord, where the cross unites us with the Lord, doesn't it? Right. You know, uh, the uh, the need to suffer is uh, is is important because you need to to see the um suffering suffering straightens you gives you the teaches you how to love yourself it teaches you how to love other people as well because when you do things that cause people to suffer then 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 uh that's against god if you if you do things that alleviate suffering that's with god and suffering is a very good delineator for that delineator for that Ever understand that? Ever think about that? Yeah, yeah, and I think you know. In your book, points out we may be we may have a terminal disease ourselves. We may be walking with somebody who has a terminal disease. So really, coming to this this understanding and really having this love of Christ and this uh, this theology that you talk about in the first part of the book and understanding suffering and death not only helps ourselves but it helps us walk with individuals and be there for them to help them on their own journey. So it really is a both and when we come to understand this and realize why we were created and what we will do, what we may suffer. But the reward at the end is so great that we can't even really put that into words. Yeah. And, and one thing to remember is that even, even the person that's, that's the most dependent person can love. Yeah. They can pray for people. They can, they can be, be, conscientious about uh, uh, not bad-mouthing the people that are working for them and all that. They can, they can definitely love. And, and that, that carries for everybody, from the highest, the highest capability person to the lowest capability person. I think it comes to, we have to see everyone is a gift from God, right? Everybody has that innate dignity. And sometimes we look, at, we look down on people because maybe they don't have the same degrees that we do, or they have, they're in a you know, lower economical group than we are, but God loves us all, and we're all created with that dignity. And so when we start seeing people as the gifts that they are, right, it should help inspire us to want to help and to and to grow in our grow in our faith, right? Because that's the other thing. Sometimes people, you know, kids think they get confirmed and, you know, my faith has grown. I've reached all the, you know, hurdles I need to get over. Right, I've graduated. <laughs> Yeah, I've graduated. I don't need to do anything, but it's exactly the opposite. And I think when you read your books, it reminds us of how important it is to continue to grow in our faith, to continue to study. Right? We're never gonna we're never gonna be God, so we'll always have room to grow in that knowledge. So not only to help ourselves, but to help other people. So the importance of growing in our faith really comes out as you read these books. Well, it's because it's, I'm I'm actually growing in my faith as I read as I write these books. It's cathartic because it makes me think about think about the problems that I have and how to apply them to other people and and uh, it 
they've really helped that way. What has the feedback been for you for these for both of these books? What have you been hearing from the people that have read them, and how appreciative are they that you put this together? Well, the first book, uh, I have lots of five star ratings and all those stuff. So I, I can see that. I, I, I've only there's only about two or three people that have read this book to completion. Maybe right. four, maybe four, including you. Uh, so. So I haven't had the same kind of feedback from, from that book, but uh, for the ones that, that have read it, they like it. So, you know, everybody dies. So there's a need for it. Everybody dies. Everybody suffers. That's the thing, right? We'll all, we'll all share in this, right? Every, it, it's something every one of us will go through. So we either come to terms with it and understand it and appreciate it and see it as the gift, or we live in total fear, right? There's, there really isn't another option. We're all going to die, at least in this world. We'll live eternally somewhere, but we are all going to die, and we are all have probably suffered, or if not, will be many times. So well, it really is it's a reminder. Yeah. So so it really is. Uh, you're either going to you either get it directly or indirectly. Anyway, I mean, if you're not suffering, you see some people suffering. If you're not if you're not dying right now, you see people have died, or you. You know, if people are dying, it's it's there for everybody, directly or indirectly, right now. Yeah, and I think the other thing your book reminds us of, you know, there you know, there are terminal diseases, but people do die in car accidents, or people die suddenly, and so to have and make sure that our relationships with our God and with our loved ones should be paramount, right? We don't want to think. I wish I could have done this. I wish I would have said that. We need to do and say those things that that will help grow in our relationship and our love for individuals and our love for the Lord, because we never know when when our number is going to come up, do we? No, we don't. But it's it, you know that's a big advantage for people to get a terminal illness because they know when they they know they're going to die, and they can take mm-hmm. advantage of those things. People who get hit by a bus, they don't know they don't know they don't know how to take care of their their. They can't have time to take care of their th- their relationship with God, relationship with other people, passing on their whatever they need to do. They do, they don't have any of that. So to be diagnosed with a di- with a uh, terminal disease is a real blessing, actually. Yeah, because how many people have you heard? And I and I've seen it uh, in my own family and those those that I've known that have lost loved ones and said, "I wish I would have." you know, reconciled with them. I wish I would have said this or told them I loved them this morning when I saw them, right? That that needs to be in the forefront of our minds instead of being so uh, um, so focused on ourselves that we tend to exclude those relationships or don't appreciate them until they're not there anymore. Yeah, in fact, I have a whole section on this uh, in, the, in this book, uh, seven things that you have to do for, that you have to plan for for dying. And it, it, the first number number one thing is to is to reconcile your soul. Number two thing is to reconcile with other people. Then then to provide for dependents, to find your medical direction, disperse your assets, uh, passing on special knowledge. Like if you have a recipe that no one else has, you should pass it on because it's going to go with you to the grave. That's not going to do any good there. And then finally, funeral plans, which most of the time are uh, are uh, set up by uh, the 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 uh, survivors, because they're the ones that, who are going to visit them or not visit them. 
Well, the other thing is it reminds, you know, reading your book, you talk about, you know, the reminder of the sacrament of the anointing of the sick, right? Remember, oh, yeah. remind, I have that. you know, being able to, to, to make sure that we partake in that sacrament when, you know, we're going in for surgery, right? We don't know what the outcome is going to be, but that sacrament's there for a reason. It's just not because they needed to get to the number seven. That's right. And, and in fact, I, I had the uh, sacrament of uh, anointing of the sick just before I had brain surgery in October. Yeah, and as we grow in that theology that you talk about, that that love for our Lord, that understanding that of redemptive suffering, right? That appreciation for that sacrament grows even more. And so we ought to be reminding our loved ones, reminding those that are really struggling, that are in good standing with the faith and, and are repentant for their sins, that this is this is a sacrament of healing and that we all need it. Even if it may not heal our bodies, it heals our souls. Well, that's the point. It will heal your body only if that will help you heal your soul. And most of the time it doesn't, because most of the time your body doesn't have any anything to do with healing your soul, but sometimes it does. Well, and we spend way too much time worried about body and ignoring soul, which is why we don't grow in our faith, which is why, you know, mass isn't important on Sundays or the sacraments. Right. We, we feed our bodies and neglect our soul, and then we wonder why we feel such fear and despair, right? Right. And I tell you, if, if you've got a terminal disease and you're not doing that stuff, I just don't understand. Because it's, it's a real shame if you have the opportunity and you don't do it. Thank you, Paul. Really appreciate all the work that you've been doing on your books regarding dying, regarding suffering. It's also important that we really need to remind ourselves that this is going to be the lot for most of us in life. So for those of you who are interested in Paul's books, you can go to paulchalou.com. That's Paul, P-A-U-L-C-H-A-L-O-U-X.com. That's his website. You can get on there and find his books and the other things that he's doing up to date. Uh, Again, that is also put out by Sophia Institute Press. You can go on their website as well to get his books. Uh, I would like to remind everybody that if they're interested, uh, we would really appreciate donations to ccdenver.org. You can go to the Respect Life link and make a donation if you like the shows that we record and what we're doing. We'd really appreciate donations for that. And if you do like the shows and have suggestions for other shows, we'd love to hear those suggestions. So if you want to email me, gbennett, B-E-N-N-E-T-T, at ccdenver.org. We'd love to get your suggestions on topics that you would like to hear on our upcoming shows. Respect Life Radio is produced by Catholic Charities in the Archdiocese of Denver. And remember, you can listen to all of our shows at respectliferadio.com.